But today we are going to do our final message on our series that we've entitled Let Hope Arise. The Lord spoke this phrase to me in my heart. One day I was in my office and I said, Lord, what do you want to say to your people? And this phrase came up in my heart, let hope arise. And I felt God on it. And then the next day, one of the prophets in our church said that the Lord spoke a phrase to him and he shared it with us. And he said, God said, let hope arise. Isn't that so God that when our nation is in such chaos and darkness that the Lord of heaven and earth would speak a a word of contrast to the darkness, and he says, let hope arise. If you remember from the very beginning of time, it says darkness covered the earth. It says the earth was without form and void in the book of Genesis chapter one. And it said, God said, light be, and light was created at 186,000 miles per second and has never stopped. And that is our God. God can speak light into your darkness, but we need to be connected with him. And so today we're going to launch into our final message. And I'm calling this, what are you destined for? It's another message to bring you hope when there doesn't seem to be hope in the earth. What are you destined for? This question has been asked since, not the beginning of time, but since Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and, Elf, Adam and Eve fell from the glory of God. You see, you and I were created from glory and for glory. You've been destined for the glory of God. You see, this question has been asked since the very beginning. Philosophers every, and every human being's mind and heart, whether spoken or not, why am I here who am I? Why do I have all these skill sets and these gifts? What's it for? Where do I belong? I mean, it reminds me of uh, the movie, The, uh, the Born Identity. If you're familiar with that movie, The Born Identity, The Born Supremacy, and The Born Ultimatum, where Jason Bourne, you know, he wakes up after floating out to sea. He gets picked up by a, a fishing boat, and all of a sudden, he, he has the amnesia. doesn't know who he is, but he has this skill set that is like... like superior to everyone around him. And he's like, why do I have all these skills? Why do I know all this stuff that I know? I mean, and then he goes and finds his P.O. box and he has all sorts of passports in there and money and, and all sorts of resources. Like, who am I? Why am I here? What do I belong? What's this for? That is the condition. That's been the condition of the human race ever since Adam and Eve fell. This is why we have such a desperate need and we are so confused about our identity, our self-worth, our destiny. Well, thank God the Bible is crystal clear on this topic. It gives us all of the answers. You and I were destined for the glory of God. The Bible very clearly says in Psalm 8 that God created you with glory and honor. But the book of Romans Paul, the apostle, tells us very clearly in Romans 3.23 that we have fallen from glory. Well, what is glory? What does that even mean? I'm going to put it in a real simple term for you. The glory of God is your perfection and seeing his perfection. The glory of God is your perfection. You see, that is why you and I struggle with perfectionism. We struggle with shame. 
Because we know on the inside of us, whether you realize it or not, we know that we are not perfect, right? I mean, that's not hard to come up with. We know we're not perfect. And on the inside, we have this shame, the shame of imperfection. We don't look perfect. We don't act perfect. We have these imperfect motives on the inside of us. We have sin on the inside of us, and it shames us. That is because, and, and so we're always striving to get better and better and better. What we're striving for is glory. We lost our glory. Do you know in the Garden of Eden, they didn't even wear clothes? Adam and Eve didn't wear these things. You know why? It says they were clothed in the glory of God. But when they fell from the relationship with the Lord, when they fell from glory, when they turned and rebelled against God's authority and they broke that relationship, they all of a sudden, they saw that they were naked and they were ashamed. And so God covered them with animal skin. And we've been covered ever since. And it's a multi-billion, trillion dollar industry, right? Clothing ourselves. Because we're covering the loss of our glory. Isn't that interesting? What is the definition of glory? It's weightiness. That doesn't mean you're going to be heavy, except with the glory of God. It's like having a gold bar in one hand that's weighty, it's dense, it's thick, and it sets value versus just, you know, paper in the other hand. One is so lightweight, and the other one is so heavy. What is it heavy with? Look at this. Honor, splendor, power, wealth, authority, magnificence, fame, dignity, riches, excellency, and God says his glory is the goodness of God. We began the year with this definition of glory because God said to me at the beginning of this year, this year, you're going to see my glory. It's not just external around us. It is in you and on you. You see, this is the good news. This is why Jesus came to the earth. This is why he came to us. Jesus, knowing that you and I lost our glory, that we have fallen from the glory of God, Jesus came back to restore your glory. The second you received Jesus, he began restoring the glory of God in you. Do you know that you were made in the image of God, the reflection of Almighty God? And yet when we lost that, we lost our identity. That's why identity is the biggest issue in the human race. But Jesus has come back to restore your glory. That is why Satan tries to shame you and break you and, and, and rob you of glory every day of your life by leading you astray and into destructive habits and to break your relationships and, and create failure in your life because he wants to shame you. He hates your glory because your reflection of God. And God, Satan tried to overthrow God in heaven and he failed. So he got cast to the earth. God made you and I in his image. And so Satan has been trying to distort. He can't reach God anymore. So he's after you, the pinnacle of God's creation. He's trying to destroy and maim your glory. And he's trying to keep you away from Jesus because Jesus is the glory restorer. Amen. Amen. I, hey, Jesus is the glory restorer. That's why he's trying to keep you away from him, calling Jesus religious. Oh, you don't want religion. Religion, I mean, religion's caused more trouble. You See, you, those phrases you, get, you hear, 
religion has caused more deaths and more division and more, you know, just stay away from religion. Yeah, let's do stay away from religion, but don't stay away from Jesus. You see, in heaven, there's going to be a great reveal. You know that show, uh, what is it called when uh, they, when some friends or family members say, hey, uh, we have somebody that needs to have a makeover. What's that show called? Makeover. When they make over somebody extreme and they, makeover. what is it, extreme makeover? Sure. All right, is that what it is? Huh? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. I wonder why. <laughs> and so they take, you know, this frumpy person and they put a crew around them, right, with the makeup and the hair and the clothes and the fitness instructor and all that, right? And then after months and months and months of, of transformation, right, bringing glory to this person, all their friends and friends or family are all in a crowd, right, and there's a curtain, and the person comes out and says, okay, you guys ready for this? Are you ready for this? And then they play the music, and then the person comes out from behind the curtain, and they show, you know, you don't, they don't show the person, they show the reaction of the faces, right? And there's, what is it? Oh, I mean, they're shocked, right, at the difference? Well, that's what it's going to be like when you enter heaven. All the angels are going to go, oh, because they see you now, and then they're going to see you then after Jesus is done with you, and it's going to be shocking. <laughs> and for some of us, it's going to be more shocking than others. <laughs> and that is the day that your full glory is going to be revealed, and it's the day that Jesus will get the full glory he deserves. That's what you're destined for. Restoration of glory. And here's the great thing, family of God. Listen to this. Biblical restoration Okay, let me say this. Webster's definition of restoration is to restore just as it was originally. That's not biblical restoration. When God restores, it's at least twice as good as it was before. Sometimes four, sometimes a hundred times. You see that in the Bible. Like Job got twice as much back. In the Old Testament, if you steal somebody's sheep, you got to give them back five. Biblical restoration is way more than what it was originally. Guess what? You and I are not being restored back to the image of Adam and Eve. We are being restored to the image, ready for this, of the Son of God. Your end game is to look just like Jesus. Is that crazy? That's crazy. I'm talking about you having Jesus' depth of love. His river of peace. His wisdom. I mean, you know, when Jesus walked the earth, the scholars and the theologians uh, and the lawyers, they kept trying to trap him with these arguments. They would come out in public and they would debate him, right? They're like, oh, let's give him this question. This will trap him. And Jesus' wisdom was so profound, they would just get embarrassed every time they tried to trap him because they thought he was just an uneducated carpenter. They did not know who they were dealing with. To the point where it says they dare not ask him any more questions. <laughs> yeah, that's the wisdom that is available to you and I. And the same thing is happening today. People still do not know who they're dealing with when they talk about Jesus. He is the Son of God, God in human form. And you and I are being transformed into his image. But here's the great thing. It begins right now. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven for the re restoration of your glory. It began the moment you gave your life to Jesus. 
Jesus moved inside of you and began fixing you from the inside out. See, that's Christianity. Every other religion is fix the outside so that your inside can be okay. We're reaching up to God. We're trying to do everything we can to get God's approval. Not in Christianity. Christianity is I have no hope. But then the hope of glory, Jesus is called in the book of Colossians, the hope of glory, Jesus himself moves inside of your soul. And the Son of God begins to live his life through you. And year after year after year, you are becoming more and more like Jesus. Look, when the unchristlike parts of you come to the surface, don't freak out. Don't get discouraged. Don't get upset. Just say, oh, that's part of the stuff that Jesus is healing, removing, so that my full glory can come out. I remember when I used to be a quitter. That was part of my personality. I quit sports. I quit relationships. I quit jobs. When things got tough, I just quit. And then I remember a time when the Lord Jesus, when after he moved inside of me, would not let me quit. I wanted to quit, and he would not let me quit. And so I just kept obeying him, and that's the key, being led by the Spirit of God. Until he developed that part of his character, not mine, his character became part of my character. Until I hired a Fortune 500 um, company consultant, came in and did some training for our church, our volunteers. And she did this... Uh, this strength test for us. And you know what came out on the top of my strength uh, characteristics? Perseverance. <laughs> I could not believe it. Because I know me. I saw that and said, that is not me. That is Jesus in me. He's restoring your glory. Look what the Bible says here. In Philippians, God began doing a good work in you, and I'm sure he will continue it until it is finished when the day Jesus Christ comes. You see, it's a process. You are in process. But look, you're getting better and better every day. You may not feel like it. It may, a lot, look, may not look like it, but you are. Look what this scripture says in the book of Proverbs. But the path of the just, that's the righteous, that's you, if you're in Christ, is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until it reaches its full strength and glory in the perfect day. You know, I get up every morning and I go out and I water the dead parts of my grass before the sun comes up because it has been so hot up here and that sun is baking this new garden lawn that I built for my wife or we built for my wife and their mom. Some of you helped out. And that sun scorches it. So I'm out there at 6 a.m. and I'm watering the grass and all of a sudden that sun starts to peek up. And oh, here it comes. And it's a, little, it's a little soft at first. You can stand there and even look at it. But then the more it rises, the hotter it gets until the noonday where it's just baking, right? That's just like you. Your life is getting brighter and 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 brighter, and brighter until bam, you see him face to face and then you are fully like him. That's your destiny. To be like the Son of God. But the process is not fun. I don't like it any more than you do. When I was in my early 20s, I'd been saved maybe four or five years, and I said to the Lord, I hate this. <laughs> Just be honest with God. He already knows what you're thinking. 
He already knows what, it's not like when you confess your sin, Jesus goes, oh, oh my gosh, did you hear that, Father? Okay, it's not like that's when they found out about it, all right? He's your best friend, he knows you, and he, and he loves you just where you're at. He's not going to leave you where you're at. He loves you too much to leave you just as you are. But he's not, he's not, a, he's not shocked at your broken parts. And so I said to the Lord, I hate this crucifixion resurrection process that you put us through. You know, where, where you die to yourself and you die to your selfishness and you die to your desires for sin and then you repent and then you ask God for forgiveness and then you try to do better and the Spirit of God's on you and then you get a little better at a time. It's a grueling process, isn't it? Yeah, it's no fun. It's like gold being put into a furnace and they heat it up as hot as they can and then all these infirmities rise to the surface and then they take this, they'll scoop her and they scrape off the infirmities and then they put the gold back in the furnace and that heat, that furnace, that pressure is causing the, all the infirmities to come out of the gold until the gold is so clear you can see through it. That's what God is doing with you. But I told him, I hate this process. I don't like it at all. And then I said, why are you putting us through this? And you know what he said to me? So that you can become just like my son. And you know what I said back to him? Big deal. Because <laughs> really, it's like, really? What for? So you become like Jesus. Like, so? And you know what he said to me? He spoke to me and he said, look up Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. I read this phrase and it changed my life forever. To the glory of God the Father. You see, God is restoring your glory to give himself glory. Who can take you in the condition you are and make you look like the Son of God? Only a merciful, compassionate, powerful, supernatural God. And that's what he's doing. Your life, if you're wondering what your destiny is, why you're here, what your purpose is, it's for the glory of God. Let everything you do be done for the glory of God, the Bible says. If you don't understand this, you're going to get really discouraged and disillusioned when you go through trials. But you know, the apostle Peter said, let your faith be tested like gold in the fire that it may come out pure. You see, if you don't understand that the process that you're going through is to produce uh, Christ-likeness in you, then you're going to turn from God in the trial. Like Job's wife said, just curse God and die. But you see, if you re recognize that it's your faith is being tested, are you going to trust him anyway? You see, your faith's being tested. It's being purified, so it comes out like gold tested in a fire. Look at the Apostle Paul says, for our light affliction. Okay, now, you have to understand that his, affli his, his affliction we're talking about, you remember the Passion of the Christ where Jesus was whipped 39 times, how brutal that scene is? That happened to Paul five times. Beaten with rods, three times. Shipwrecked, three times. Forsaken by all of his friends. Persecuted. Uh, starvation. I mean, he goes through this whole list of brutality. His whole life was like that. Being persecuted for Jesus. And he calls it light Affliction. How can he call that light affliction? Well, he goes on to explain it. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Boy, it doesn't feel like a moment when you're going through it, huh? 
honey, going through this cancer battle doesn't feel like a moment, does it? When you're going through your financial hardships, you go through a divorce, you have a child that's gone off from the Lord, it doesn't feel like a moment, man. It feels like forever. But when you have the eternal perspective, what's coming, what it's all for, you're revealed. Now you realize when you compare it to eternity, it's a moment. The Bible says the glory of man is like, like grass. It's here and then the sun scorches it like out front and it dies. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Your destiny is forever. So our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. What? This affliction that I'm going through is working for me? How? that? No, it's trying to destroy me. Well, yeah, Satan is trying to use it to destroy you. God is using it to make you, to shape you, to transform you. Why? Because you can become more dependent on him. You didn't used to be interested in the Bible. You feel like it was a boring book. When you go through trials and you start reading, it's like, oh my gosh, God is speaking to me. God's encouraging me, these scriptures. They're giving me strength. And then you become addicted to the Bible because you realize it's life. And you cry out to God and God responds to you. And all of a sudden your relationship with God starts becoming real and deeper and meaningful. And you realize this isn't religion at all. This is what I was created for. You see, that's what trials can do. They make you deeper in your relationship with Jesus, or they blow you out. And that's what Satan wants. Paul says these light afflictions are working for us, what? A far more exceeding eternal, compared to a momentary, weight, compared to the light affliction of glory. You see that contrast? Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, doesn't matter how deep your affliction is, it is light and for a moment compared to a far more exceeding and eternal weight of what, Josh? Glory. 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 You see it right there? Glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, that is your trials, but at the things which are not seen, which is the glory, which are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now you may not see what God is doing in the moment, but he is always, always working. I'm going to jump into a little chunk of scripture here, and we're going to be done here in just a few. But I want us to cap this series off with a passage of scripture that talks about something that's just so profound. It talks about more than just your and my glory being restored. Watch this. For I consider, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, 18, for I consider from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of this present life are not even worthy to be compared to the, here it is again, glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. There it is again. He said it's not even worth being compared. You can't even compare the two. What you're going through now compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. But this restoration, here's what I want to say, is so profound, the restoration of your glory, that it says all of creation is going to follow us into glory. What do I mean by that? 
when the sons and daughters of God reach their full glory, all of creation is going to be restored as well. You see, when Adam and Eve fell from glory, all of creation was put under their authority. And when Adam and Eve fell from glory, all of creation fell with it. We live in a world that has fallen from glory. That's why there's such chaos, earthquakes, destruction, mayhem, hurricanes. I mean, all the, all the chaos, not just in the human race, but in creation itself. The earth is decaying. Because it fell from glory. It's not getting better and better. The earth is not evolving into a better and better form. It's devolving. Look what the scripture says about this. For the creation, this is right after the scripture we read. This is verse 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. And hope, in hope, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for the adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies. That one translation says, until we get our perfect bodies. Won't that be nice? But hope that is seen is no hope at all. But who hopes for what they've already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I'm looking at my notes because I've got I got too many notes for the amount of minutes on the clock. So I'm going to take a look at this real quick. Okay, I'm going to jump about three pages and I'm going to come in for landing here. I do want to say this. When it says wait for it patiently, it doesn't mean to sit back and wait for the Lord's return. That is not glory. The Bible says, Jesus says, a light that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You don't light a lamp. You don't light a lamp and then put it under a box. That's, that's silly. As you're waiting for the Lord's return, shine more, not less. Because the world needs to see God's glory through your glory. There's a young teenager who recently has a, a profound singing gift. And she had concluded in her own mind that it's not really worth developing because the Lord's going to return and he's going to burn up everything. And so what's it for, right? And she felt selfish because it brings her such joy to sing. And she thought, when everybody's going through such suffering, why should I sing and have this joy that seems selfish? And then she was at a meeting and she got a prophecy. And this prophet said to her, you stop singing because you think, why even sing? It's useless and it's selfish. And he said, the Lord said, I gave you that gift for times such as this. 
because it brings joy to you in the midst of your depression and sorrow and your struggles. And it brings joy to those around you. Think of the Psalms. How many of the Psalms do you identify with? Those are songs that King David wrote, most of them in his time of desperation. Some of the best art, some of the best songs, some of the best movies, some of the best media has come out of people's depressions and struggles and sorrows because we all identify with them. And so she started singing again. It brings glory to God when you use your gifts and talents to their fullest. You shine. When you shine, He shines. And in the process, you're becoming more and more like Christ. And so I want to close with the same chapter, Romans chapter 8, where it talks about all of creation groaning until it receives its full redemption from decay when the sons and daughters of God are revealed in their full glory. Jesus is going to make a, a new heaven and earth. And the earth is going to be released from this chaos and this destruction. It's going to be so amazing, y'all. It's going to be so amazing. But in the meantime, here's one of our favorite verses, but I'm going to show you in context what it's really talking about. All of you know this verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Well, what is his purpose? He goes on to say what it is. Here it is. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That is your destiny. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. He said, hey, Joe, get on up in here. Ava, come on. Hope, come Sam, come on. Lily, come on. Josh, come. John, come. You, come. Jesus, who he predestined, called. He called you by name. You don't have to answer the call. You can ignore the text. But many of you picked up the phone. Many of you responded. And you became a son or daughter of God. Many of you today have not responded yet to that call. Respond to Jesus' call. He's calling you. Right now, as I'm preaching, Jesus is calling you to come to him. Do it. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, he's going to begin restoring your glory, restoring your broken parts, helping you be redeemed and restored and healed. And he's going to begin working on you right now until the day he returns and brings you home. And it says that those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. That means just of this, you justified, never done it. And those he justified, he also glorified. I'm going to close this series with this scripture. This is the end. This is at the end of the book, in the book of Revelation, when it's all over. When the curtain is dropped, and it's the last scene, all those who rejected Christ, they missed out on salvation, redemption, restoration of glory. And they live eternally without God and utter darkness. Jesus called the place hell. But the picture we're going to see are those who said yes to Jesus. And he became their king. This is a picture Jesus gave to the Apostle John in heaven. If you've received Jesus, you're going to be in this crowd. You're going to be, this is a picture. This is the picture of your future. 
if you have said yes to Jesus. Watch this. And then Josh is going to come and close us in a song of worship. After this, the Apostle John says, I saw a vast crowd. Too great to count. From every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. That's Jesus, the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels are standing around. Can you imagine? This is going to be so awesome. And all the angels are standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne, the throne, and their faces to the ground. They worshiped God. They sang, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving. You're going to be doing this. This is us in the future. And honor, and power, and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. That is your destiny. So don't get all caught up in what's going on in the earth right now. This is all temporary. Satan's trying to distract you, discourage you, disillusion you. Don't disconnect from church. Don't disconnect from the Bible. Don't disconnect from prayer. Don't disconnect from God. He's making you, shaping you, and shine as a believer, as a follower of Jesus right now more than ever. So people can see the glory of God through you.